welcome back to Free Reeling It. I am one of your hosts, Jesse, and with me today is your other host. Hi, I'm Matthew. Pleasure to with, be here. Oh, yeah. The, Matt, Matt, it's glad to always have you here, because if you weren't here, I don't think we would be doing the show. Um, <laughs> it, would, it would just be me talking to myself way too long, and I absolutely hate talking to myself. With that attitude. Um, but with us is a third person, our very special guest, someone I always enjoy talking to, and we end up talking to each other for hours. Um, she writes for, uh, edits currently for Game Per, uh, writes for Uppercut Waypoint Pace. Grace, is there a place you don't write for? Like at all? Uh, <laughs> I mean, do you want me to subtweet people or like call out people right now? Or oh, or... let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, yeah. let's, let's no one right. listens will, to this. You're fine. I no will not write for Kotaku. Let's, let's, in force, all likelihood, let's force this <laughs> podcast in the fires of subtweets. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, that's one way to gain an audience. We don't got anybody yet. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm like those outlets where I'm like, absolutely not. But, Kotaku is about as close to that as one could possibly get, I think, at this point. But uh, yeah, with us today is Grace Benfield. Grace, again, lovely to have you here. Uh, lovely to have you bring the movie this week. Um, yeah. This was, uh, well, I should probably say what the movie is in a second, but this movie was one of those ones I'm like, I don't know what I'm getting into. I've never heard of this film. I don't know anything <laughs> about this film. I didn't read anything. I just looked at the name. I looked at the poster. I'm like, all right, let's do this to see what happens. And I was absolutely pleasantly surprised by what I experienced. Um, so Grace and brought us. Uh, I'm going to interrupt. I want to interrupt yeah. just because I want to say when you told me the name of this, of this, um, of this film, I had like uh, an abnormal mapping Jackson voice go off in my head where he just goes, "Yo." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I know exactly what you're talking because, about. Because shout because, out to Jackson. Yes, shout out to Jackson indeed. Uh, M two, M as well. All, in fact, all of abnormal mapping. Um, <laughs> Do waypoint uh, with them this week. Yes, very. Good. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I still um, listen to it, but I'm going to. When uh, when you, when this came across my eyes, I was so happy because I've been trying to get back to watch this film for years. Jesse, what is it? Uh, okay, so I'm, I feel like when I mispronounce like half the things that I have to say like in the next few sentences, but uh, it, the movie is Babette's Feast. Am, am I right? Did I say yes, right? that's okay. right. Yeah, which came out Nailed in it. 1987, which I'm pretty sure I said 1987 correctly. Um, it is directed in the screenplay written by Gabriel Axel. Axel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Based on the short story by Karen Blixen. Mm-hmm. And this is where I was really, <laughs> this is really, my brain's going to be start uh, spitting uh, smoke soon. Uh, it stars uh, uh, Stephanie Audron. Is that right? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's more of a French accent there, but I won't ah, make I, you I, do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> I bet you got it. Like, th- there's you know. one language I uh, I know that's English and I definitely don't know the language I love, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> I, okay. Someone please take the, the other two names for me because I really don't want to mess them up. I'm going to um, guess it's Birgit Federspiel and Bodo Kier. Yeah, I think that's about right. That's and the much only better reason, than I would have done. And the, only reason, and the only reason I have, and just the only reason I have even an ounce's bit of confidence in my guesses is mainly because I'm a soccer fan. That's really it. <laughs> <laughs> See, Matt, you could tell me you're, you were Canadian. I would 100% believe you. Yeah, it's just the kindness that you radiate. <laughs> Thank oh. you. That, I, wow. <laughs> 
Um, so Grace, let, uh, I, you're the guest. I want to start with you. Why did you pick this film for us um, to watch together? So this is a movie I watched in college for my uh, German and Scandinavian cinema class that, that I took. That is uh, a title for a class I would love to take. It's uh, It was like prob- arguably, well, it's like top three courses yeah. that I took. Um, great, fantastic class. Um, and this is a movie that I think about a lot um, and that I think that I, well, that I know I love a lot now, but that I thought I loved a lot before. And was like, I haven't seen this in like five years. I need to watch this again. I'm a girl now. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I am a different person than when I saw this movie last. Um, and so I really wanted to revisit it. And I also wanted, like, I kind of wanted to bring something that I would have a first perspective on, but that also was like a favorite to the show. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like this hit that balance, you know. It, it, so. it's, it's one of my favorite things um, in general when you have such a huge life change. Um, and the things that you love before you go back to and you get a new love for them in a different way because of the life change. Mm-hmm. And I could definitely see this movie being like two different sides of the same. Like I, I adore this movie, but now I really adore this movie because the messaging... Yeah. Of this movie is so grace in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah well it's, yes yeah. um well that was the thing is i was yeah. like i was pretty sure going into it that i would still really like it but you just never know sometimes something really hits you different right yeah i, I mean like growing up one of my favorite movies though, like that that tw- the twitter trend at the time this probably way way out of anybody like remembers this but the twitter trend currently now is like share without any comment to share a movie that you've seen more than five times right right yeah and i, I shared master disguise terrible terrible dana carvey movie um, <laughs> but as a kid loved it <laughs> like yes. it was the yeah. funniest thing to me uh and i didn't get half of the references i just thought it was funny that this man is putting on different disguises and making a lot of accents um and so- saying turtle a lot oh yes so saying turtle a lot the the scene that was filmed uh during 9-11 um but it's 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 just it's very interesting to see something that stays impactful or gets more impactful uh the longer um the older you get uh movies like that for me it weirdly is like batman forever it gets more impactful the more i go back to it um which we could talk about that movie later with talking about what we've been watching lately but uh it, so yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very glad that you picked this so you can revisit it and also I got to experience it for the first time and like be like oh like this is again it's just something so tender that I've never expected from a movie at all ever in my life. Oh, damn, we got to get you to watch more of these. Uh, yeah, I don't Scan- know. Scandinavian cinema is really good. It's, it's <laughs> true, like, yeah. real good. It, it's Scandinavian <laughs> cinema is just like here's the the kindness cinema. Like here's no, here's I mean. <laughs> Because like that's what this movie is. It's like this is the happy, like not yeah. happy, but like it's um, the kindest and gentlest movie think, I've like, seen in a long time. Else we watched in the class that would like fit into this kind of. I would assume. I mean, it was you said it was Scandinavian and German cinema, right, Grace? Yes. Yeah. Uh, German cinema sounds like it might be a little harsher. Um, I, I'm going to bet you probably saw the Seventh Seal. We didn't in that class, actually. I just oh, saw it wow. recently. We watched Wild Strawberries, which is a Bergman movie okay. from the same year. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wild Strawberries, dope as hell as well. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. Good. Well, we also um, watched The Phantom Carriage, which, of course, has um, oh, crap. Strawberry in it. So I haven't watched that one in forever. Yeah. 
Uh, did you watch any Dryer? Uh, we watched um, like the Ice Cream Joan of Arc. Oh, um, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, also, yeah. also very Grace Core. <laughs> yeah. Joan of Arc. Yeah. <laughs> and I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, it's so good. You should watch it. It's fantastic. It's, okay. Let me hold on. See, uh, this, fact, is, in fact, this is another... what the show is. I'm going to search if Joan of Arc streaming so I can add it to my list. It's probably on Criterion. I think it, it is. Be, yeah. Actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For sure. Is, yeah. Um, I have but, the the you know blu-ray on criterion as well so i'm sure I, it's on the thing before before we get into Bebbit's feast i just want to say i remember the first time i saw passion of joan of arc and i was with uh my my ex-wife at the time it was before we were married and we were we both had horrible respectively horrible days at work come home i'm like i have this movie that i got from local rental chain in philly tla and uh, would you like to watch it? And she's like, what is it? I go, it's the passion of Joan of Arc. It's about when Joan of Arc was put on trial and, and burned at the stake. <laughs> and she's like, so a bit of light family fun. I'm like, sure. Uh, she fell asleep and I was just inconsolable. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, I mean, for l- lack of a better, it was one of the few times I've ever thought that I was a different person after seeing a piece of meat, after interacting with a piece of meat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's such a, I think it, <sighs> I don't know. And like, I don't, I, I think silent movies are very cool. And I think, um, you know, there is like stylistic differences, but I think that's a movie that just feels like it could have been made yesterday. Like it just has such impact you know it's great right. it's fantastic well, and, and the mythology around it like I th- isn't that the may the lead actor's only performance on yes film? yeah mm-hmm. i mean it's just i started like at the time and i don't know a lot of these offhand right now but i started thinking about like how charles lawton's only film he made despite being a fantastic actor the one he directed was night of the hunter and i'm right yeah and it's just sort of like wow these these and there are others probably we could just list off but it was one of those things like they just did this one thing and that's all they had to do (laughs) yeah because i'm pretty sure like either i'm probably pauline kale and uh roger ebert called falconetti's performance like the best in history of cinema yeah whatever you know however you want to take that but still it's like movies what a hundred years old now is it uh it's 28 so we still got like a decade or so to go decade and change um oh it was 1928 so we have seven years yeah oh yes we have seven years you're right yeah (laughs) i was like oh Uh, it's 2011 (laughs) right now (laughs) which fine what is math anyway um but i mean it's it's hard uh um and i'm saying that as a healthcare provider has to do it a lot during the day um but uh but the fact that it's like that old and there are probably plenty of people who will still watch that and say like yeah i've not seen anybody just be on film and inhabit a character better than that yeah. and it's, i mean i get chills thinking about scenes in that movie Holy yeah it's hell. it's a great movie it you tell me jlo's joker is not the best like per- actor inhabiting a body another <laughs> character on film ever you know is there you telling, uh, is that what you're telling me right now 
I can't believe why are we doing this arty, artsy like film podcast? We do not high regard Jared Leto's Joker. I no. didn't. I didn't say that it was my favorite. <laughs> I just said what I had read other people have said. Reeling it, we we love Jared Leto's Joker. That is that's that's underneath the logo of the podcast. It says it. Right <laughs> I didn't. If I had known this before, I would not have come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I signed a contract, Grace. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> this is why I write the contracts. <laughs> um, no, going Very... going to uh, back to Babbitt's feast. Uh, I don't. I'm not. I, when, it, when it's a fresh movie for me, it's very hard for me to summarize exactly what happened in the movie because I'm very much just focused on experiencing it and not really like taking notes all yeah. the time. And uh, sadly, I, mean, I, I can, have I can take a shot at summarizing it. If, yeah, uh, I would love if you took a shot. Yeah. Um. So basically, it follows these two sisters, uh, Filippa and Martine, um, and they are um, kind of the the spiritual leaders of this small village. Their father was kind of a preacher prophet um, and has since passed away, and they have a maid, a French housekeeper uh, named Babette, um, who was, um, you know, fled France after her husband and child died in, in sort of a revolutionary conflict. Um, you know, this general guy, I actually meant to like, look up what the time period would have been and like what exactly this, you know, like what was going on there. Century. I think it was. Yeah. It's like mid 19th century for sure. Um, anyway. And, um, and so there's a little bit of like, it kind of cuts back to their, um, young adulthood, and sort of the the men in their lives very briefly because they you know they live um together right as sisters and are mm-hmm. just kind of providing for this family but then there's the, there was this french i mean this uh, danish soldier who um you know who sort of fell in love with uh is it martina i think yes the soldier is martin yes that is correct um i just i just like clicked the actress on letterbox and I'm like yeah that's the one <laughs> so um and uh you know but he kind of um becomes intimidated by like the the um the starkness of the life they lead and just sort mm-hmm. of leaves um and then um Filipa is an incredible singer and so there's this opera singer who's like vacationing in the village who tries to teach her and tries to like whisk her away off to Paris to become a great um, opera singer. And she um, basically, you know, declines him and he goes back to Paris, but he ends up being the contact because he remembers them in the village. Right. Mm -hmm. And sends Babette to them. Um, And then Babette wins the lottery. Um, She's been like continuing to enter the lottery back in Paris um, and so she is like, all right, I want to thank, you know, Martine and Philippa for all the good they've done me all these years. And so I'm going to make them a, a feast, like a, a, you know, rich French meal. And, uh, they're concerned about it because they live this very like austere life. There's a very funny scene early. I mean, like halfway through the movie where they teach, um, about how to make bread and ale soup yeah ale and bread soup yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know so it's just that kind of that's kind of the vibe right mm. and so they're really worried about this extravagance but um 
they have this meal and also this soldier, you know, who was in love with um, Martine comes and he's now a general, right? And has all these regrets about having a career in the military um, and feels like that his life has been wasted and empty. But the meal becomes this like sacramental spiritual experience that like unifies the town. Um, and that's that's basically it. You know, there's like other stuff going on, but like in terms of like plot, that's what happens in the movie. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't know if there's an, any other film on record that has a longer dinner scene than, <laughs> than this. Cause it's a 40 minute dinner scene. Like that's like a good chunk of the movie. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, you got my dinner with Andre. Isn't that the whole movie? Which is the whole dinner. All dinner. (laughs) (laughs) How long is my dinner with Andre? Is it like 35 minutes? No, it's... uh, it's it's we talked we, we we were joking beforehand and we joked a little bit like you have very grace core movies like um you recommended for me to pick up uh phoenix which is very much a grace movie in a lot of ways oh yeah for sure um and but then watching this i'm like yeah, but this is so much more because the little like basis of this movie is the word grace <laughs> like that is <laughs> yes, that is no. the key to this whole film yeah like the the sisters se- sacrifice and like not wanting to actually sacrifice but they do it anyways for their father to kind of stay there um because mm-hmm. both sisters have uh you see when they go they do the flashback with the with the soldier and the opera singer you you clearly the act, actresses are so good you clearly see in their faces how much they want to go how much like these two men have actually one like like whisk them off their feet and like they want to go with and the father is just so hard in the in those flashbacks that they are like, no, we will sacrifice to to, to yeah. stay with him. Well, we know I how think much to be to be clear, I do think it is like they really love their father and yeah, they really yeah. believe in this thing, right? Like it's not just that yeah, they're like, oh, this restrictive culture is you know holding me back from freedom, right? It's very much this like, I you know, I want this thing or. I'm kind of like, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I like the scene where the opera singer kind of comes on to. Yeah, it's, he comes a little too hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, and like, he's, I think that, that scene came off kind of weird to me the first time. I think this time it's like, oh, he's just really sweet. Yeah. He's really <laughs> he doesn't into quite it. know how he comes off. Right. Um, but, you know, like that's sort of the, the thing is that, and I, I think that's something that is really great about this movie is um, while it, it really values, like it, it's a movie really in real way about like the body mm-hmm. and about the value of the body, about the value of like sensual experience, right? Yeah. But also is like, these are people who in the small town live like worthy good lives, yeah, right? And, yeah. you know, there's there's like no sort of dishonor in the, the sort of way they conducted themselves, right? And who they are, right? And I think yeah. that's just a really great part of it. And, and I, I think like having them be daughters of a pastor and Grace, you and I come from biblical backgrounds. Matt, do you, do you come from a biblical background? I don't think I've ever asked you this. Uh, <laughs> so pretty, I was pretty Catholic at the beginning of life. Uh, and then uh, after some personal issues, uh, I, I tried to find faith again uh within uh local born again christian church uh in my hometown uh des moines iowa and then i at uh shortly actually during that time i kind of i went to their youth groups their services and started reading the 
Bible to kind of like get more context in terms of like what they were, what they were sort of picking and choosing to say. Yeah. And while I didn't really have the language to sort of disagree with any of what they were saying or point out the, the bold face hypocrisy that I saw within like both leadership and congregation, um, I did sort of realize that while I'm definitely not, I'm definitely not like atheist. I I definitely do believe that the the that book did help me sort of realize that there's definitely something else out there, and I've kind of just been trying to figure out what that means to me mm-hmm. rather rather than do the Christian thing of of witnessing or or bringing others to the flock or, or things like that. Um, so spirituality is definitely, well, I, I also, it's, spirituality sounds stupid to say to me. For <laughs> yeah, no, I feel it. But, it's a word that's been like, it's, it's been, it's been co-opted by a yeah, lot well, of It's like, there's things. so many words like this, like gas. I mean, it's not the same context, but like gaslighting where it's like, that doesn't, yeah. that's a word that doesn't mean anything anymore. Like it yeah. used to be something really specific. And now, right, it has been lost. Yes, spirituality is in the same vein of someone saying energies. Like I have these energies about me. It's like okay, let's uh, let's, let's back up a bit. Yeah, which ultimately, like I think there's something there as well, yeah, but I don't, sure. I don't, I don't think it hits with the same oomph. Yeah, uh, but I, I've been, I, I've been dealing with faith in in a way that I that I sort of think about quite a bit. I don't know what my progress is, but I'm definitely i definitely i think about it a lot yeah (laughs) like i i I don't know if i ever want to uh go back to church or anything like that Mm -hmm. or 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 take up a a religion um this is this will be something and just to overshare a little bit for grace like my wife and I are trying to adopt and start our own family. And mm-hmm. my wife is Jewish. Whereas I am kind of faith liquid, we'll call it. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, faith fluid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, so th- that's sort of a conversation that like she and I will have as we sort of continue on this journey. Yeah, yeah for sure. Without, without sort of, you know, putting down roots in any one particular place right now yeah for sure well i think that's actually i mean not to like i don't just want to be like and now let's talk about the movie after you shed something really personal no but oh no this is this is this this is honestly this is just how i do it please don't (laughs) (laughs) but just to say that like i think that part of that the movie is about being in that in between space right Mm -hmm. where you are continuing on a path of life and trying to figure out like what is right and i think that um the way i mean yeah i'm like i don't know i i feel like um the movie is sort of about realizing that you are like that you carry sort of the other people that you were with you you Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. like this is sort of the realization that the general has is that he um you know there is a version of his life where he is here right where he is at this dinner table as a member of the town yeah. right um 
but that it almost doesn't matter because he's he's there anyway <laughs> mm-hmm. right and like that there's uh i mean yeah it comes back to grace right and so i think that that's sort of an element of it that like even when we leave things behind that doesn't go away like there's things that carry with us right and to me i find that like there's there's a lot of ways i think with a religion that, that is really tough right like you know i and like a lot of people i know carry a lot of trauma right from this kind yeah. of stuff oh, definitely. Yeah. but i think also like um when when me and my wife got married you know um she talked about in her her vows how like she prayed about us being married and felt really encouraged you know about that and sort of the that there was a way in which our faith tradition led to us being together even though it's like we're you know <laughs> in some ways in like that faith in that same tradition i am an abomination in the sight of god depending i mean depending on who you ask right to be clear but you know um, i mean which god are we talking <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i mean exactly right but like just to say that like um you know like i think about the person who I was when I first watched this movie who was struggling, but still very much like a, a Mormon. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that I do not feel like I am now, but I get a lot of the same things out of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel um, like there is a continuation between those two versions of myself. Right. And that grace, you know, no pun intended, right. Is allowed. It allows us to like see each other yeah right and that's 100%. such a like beautiful thing about this movie i think yeah it's just fantastic um, but, and i think it handles that stuff with such nuance yeah that's that's the reason that's the kind of the thing i was drilling into is like the the biblical sense of grace is sacrificing for love it's sacrificing something for something for something else you care about dearly because the, the whole like premise of biblical like western and western biblical grace in a lot of ways is um the sacrifice of jesus for us like that, that's the thing right, right? like it's it's the, the death for others um and so you see the two daughters choose to sacrifice their feelings because they still love their father dearly and they believe in the cause and everything and then you see them age and still sacrifice every day for the people around them Mm-hmm. And then Babette comes in and they're like, we will keep sacrificing for you. And she's like, no, well, let me ease you a bit. Let me ease this. Yeah. And then Babette wins the lottery and he goes, I can leave. I can, I, I can live my life. And you kind of, you kind of get the realization that she's like almost about to leave where she's like, no, these two have been sacrificing their entire life. Like I can see this. Let me now sacrifice for them in the terms of the lottery and give them one last like a meal like again the meal is also biblical it's like symbolizes like yeah another sacrifice in the there are 12 people at yeah, this meal yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and then the general coming in seeing like this is like and like him like kind of getting that that backhand grace that that secondhand grace in a lot of ways like when we like again going straight like christian uh, theology is like salvation is you living your life the way you want it to and then coming back and feeling that relief because of god's grace that that happened way back in the day so like um having the journal come back then too and then getting that relief from the dinner itself it's like that is now a salvation 
in a lot of ways yeah. for the life he thought he wanted, but he turns out it kind of sucked. Um, and like in, in the regret sense of it all, uh, not like yeah. he, he still had a great life through it all. Well, I think, um, I think that's sort of, yeah, that's the thing is like, it's, it's really, I mean, it's redemptive literally, right. That it's like, even though he led this other life, he got to see the result of yeah. the life he could have led. Right. Yeah. And like that, you know, that's the, yeah, that's literally like, you know, atonement or grace, right? Like that's, I feel weird like, saying grace all the time, I, talking about the noun. We can, we can switch <laughs> calling it grace and start talking, just I mean, calling it Jesse just, or something. Just, just, <laughs> just, just here, just, just lean into the ego. It's atonement <laughs> and me. Like that's, what yes, that's what it is. <laughs> before, before like you even existed, Gabriel's like, I got a movie about this person that's going to exist one day. <laughs> um, yeah. It, yeah, it, no, God, it, when did God say there will be Grace Corps? That's what I want. <laughs> Grace Corps is my favorite kind of music, too. Um, anyways, um, I just want to ask a question, and, yeah. and I just, I'm just because my own history with, with faith in general, I wanted to make sure, or I wanted to see if either of you read this this way. Um, when the general first, well, the, he's a I forget what rank he is when he first shows up. Yeah, he's like uh, a, I mean, he's low. He's like yeah, a he, private or something. Right? As my dad is. learned this week, I know nothing about ranks. So don't ask me. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but uh, when he shows up, you know, because he's being disciplined for his indiscretions. Um, and even when Akil Papan shows up as well, like the, the sisters are both young and it's almost like they're tough in their piety. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and it's and it's very much like uh, it reminded me. It reminded me a lot of going through the the Christian church, where because I was new, I was very much held at a distance, kind mm-hmm. of kept out. Like I had, I had to almost, I don't walk through my own fire to sort of ingratiate my way in, um, and it was just because I was trying to to learn, whereas it's clear that these two men are trying to take away. Um, and I thought it was a very interesting, I thought they were both very interesting statements on temptation mm-hmm. where with uh, Martine uh, Lawrence is like, I, w- I want you to, he, I could take you with me and you could be happy and prosperous, whatever that may mean, or, Papan is like I can take you out of here and we can make you a star. Yeah. Um. And those and that's in in twentieth century parlance compared to the movie's nineteenth century setting. Like this is definitely like boilerplate, you know, religious temptation. Yeah. And what I found, what I really liked is the juxtaposition when Babette shows up and everybody's older not as strong the uh the patriarch of their little sect of faith has gone and the two sisters are are working like hell to sort of keep the the candles burning for for this way of life and when babette shows up you start seeing like i mean they make mention of it in like some by narration but like divides start showing up in the town people start arguing Mm -hmm. 
Babette kind of takes advantage of the the general storekeeper. I'm guessing <laughs> that's what that's what his rank is, or that's what his place is that she like basically steals bacon from. Um, <laughs> and it just sort of exhibits like this is clearly uh, a secular person. It almost se- okay. This is going to sound really weird, but it kind of reminded me of Sister Act. Where, sure yeah where, I, I, I get where I you're mean, going with it. it's yeah. a long leap but like secular person comes into the the religious house yeah and all of a sudden nobody knows what to do with themselves and and that just creates uh it, it creates tension among the village folk and the sisters and while as the audience we don't really know what's coming in terms of the meal they start they start sending up warning signals going we don't know what bad that's gonna do and we're worried <laughs> so, they brought a turtle in oh I man mean, that's like that turtle i, I was watching i'm like oh the why are they gonna do this turtle <laughs> right well and and then like i all like i i'm and because my mind tends to work on weird chain reactions, it reminded me of a song near the end of the Gorillaz album, Demon Days. Mm-hmm. It's called Fire Coming Out of a Monkey's Head, where it's Dennis Hopper just narrating about these happy folk who lived on a mountain. Yeah. And people came and start mining the mountain, and then all of a sudden the happy folk go blind. <laughs> and, it's, and I'm just like... I'm like, this movie is fire coming out of a monkey's head. And I didn't know. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I really liked the the use of temptation as the sisters are, are young, as well as when Babette shows up and you see all of this weird, I, I say weird, but I'm not like, but like, it's definitely weird in terms of like the village. It's this secular sort of undercurrent sort of, taking over and, and immediately i'm like oh wait a minute capitalism is going to ruin these people isn't it <laughs> like, that's what i was that, that it, it got me and it had been it's been like 10 years since i've seen this movie so i didn't remember all the beats and i'm actually kind of glad for that yeah uh just because it was kind of like seeing it over again with new eyes um but Anybody else see that, or or was that just me? Oh, yeah, no, well, no, I, I totally think that... saw it. Oh, go ahead, Jesse. <laughs> no, you're good. Like, you finish that thought. Yeah, well, I just kind of like I think one of the things about, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of moments that I that I really like in this. Um, but one of my favorites is when after the meal, they go and Philippa sings a song mm-hmm. for like the you know people assembled, and. Um, there's a moment there where she, you know, she is just as powerful a singer as she would have been on the Paris stage Mm -hmm. and actually singing for these like 12 people is so much more meaningful Mm -hmm. than that ever would have been, you know? Yeah. And I think that, that like the, yeah, just, I I mean, again, the value and smallness, I think that's part of the, the contrast between the sort of temptations, right. Is that like, what um the opera singer promises philippa is fame and what um you know in some ways martine promises the soldier is a life um unadorned right and the contrast between how they feel about those lives at the, in the movie but also the way that this moment of grace like brings them together right is i think really uh really cool 
And so, yeah, I think like there is a way in which the movie is actively dealing with temptation, but then also sort of contrasting it with this, like, sometimes you need to give in right to what is good for you. (laughs) You There's a, there's a third temptation too. Like, like, cause we're, we're getting biblical. There's three temptations. Jesus, there's three temptations here too. With like (laughs) Babette, like about to leave is like, she's tempted. Like I'm going to go live a new life. And yeah. it's the idea of like, I can be whoever I want to be kind of in this thing. And I think she realizes I'm having a great time here. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. I'm loving these two ladies. These are, these are my two moms. Like, I love them. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so that temptation like, is like, no, I can now use this money to give them something that they like, that they've never had. And like, I'm, I enjoy this. I, I don't need a new life because I have a new life. This is my new life type of thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. It's the like, what am I being offered? Well, I already, I already have that, or I'm going to have that in the long run. It's kind of yeah. Seems. Well, I think that there's also a, a detail. I don't know if y'all notice this, but the um, the soldier that um, so Lurens talks about visiting. So Bobette had ran a restaurant. This is one sort of late reveals is that she had a really famous restaurant in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lurens, who's the general, Lorenz Lurenheim, uh who uh you know is the general right talks about visiting france and like doing drills with the people there and the general that he talked to and went to the restaurant with where bobette worked is the same general that killed her husband and son oh right i'm pretty sure i'll have to like i missed that but that's interesting yeah well (laughs) so i think there is a sense of like if i go back to paris who am i going to be serving yeah right that, that also yeah right true like who is who is going to receive the art that i make mm-hmm. right and being like i would much rather give these people who are you know really like complicated and obviously have issues and stuff but good people mm-hmm. you know one meal than feed a thousand to people like him yeah right? exactly yeah you know they're the, the, great movies and uh let me let me get like the right not just great movies like really movies that will make you stay with them stay with you forever and make you rethink about them even when you haven't seen them in years like this did for you grace and i know Mm -hmm. matt you talked about you've thought about it too since you've seen it and i'll probably be thinking about it like five years from now is the the overarching moments are so powerful but then you got those really small movements that you're like you know that was that that moment itself could have been in its own movie where like if you you could expand it upon it, but they just didn't. <laughs> like they yeah. just left it to be the small moment that happens in between some characters. Um, yeah. There's that. There's those. There's those two guys during the dinner who kept on talking about the one guy cheating on his wife and the other guy sleep. If I remember this right, he's sleeping with his wife. It's and they kept on going back and forth about it, like through the whole dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I want to know the, their whole story, but that's not like, that's not the point, but, but it's just so charming. Like they're back and forth and they feel so loose because of the dinner that they're like, ah, we could talk about this openly. <laughs> yeah. And then the same thing was like, uh, when she's seeing at the end, like the, the, the couple that like, it feels like they fall back in love, like in that scene. Yes. And, yes. and I believe it's the same couple. <laughs> I believe um, it is yeah. too. And it's like, it's like you could have taken the, the, those three out of the movie and made a whole nother movie and it would be just as compelling, but you left it as small moments within this. So I'm going to be thinking about them forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's also part of the thing is that, um, and something about this movie, um, so it's like a hundred minutes just about. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, it feels longer than that. Yes. And I mean that in a really good way. Yeah. It's, it's like, contemplative in ways that yeah. I need more movies to be. Right. Well, it's also just like, I think it is a movie about how moments can feel eternal. And I think it's also about this sort of, contr- and like, this is the thing about like, um, like the way God works and the way, like, I mean, I think Christianity in particular, um, but this is also just something I'm, you know, really well-versed in. So I don't want to like be like, oh, this is the special religion that does this thing that no one else does. But, <laughs> you know, um, but just to say that, like, there was this occupation with the contradictions, right? That it's like, Jesus is a man who is also God. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and I think it's also the, the thing that this movie is like, this, this is a movie about moments that are also eternal, like things that are ephemeral that mean something forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and like that, and I think that, you know, there's sort of contrast between those things. And that's part of why, you know, you, there's there could be a 20 more minutes of this movie really getting into the other people in the town, right? Or, you know, whatever, right? But it's, you know, it stretches that out rather than sort of like honing in on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Yeah. And, and like, there's a nice little juxtapositions between like scenes from the past and scenes in the present where the same stuff happens like the way they do their song before lunch and then babbitt comes in the feed and like serves yeah. them like, and then like, that same scene happens in the past but with different characters and it kind of shows like that whatever happened like whatever happened it with like our parents or our parents parents uh, generations later are still gonna be with us in some way or another like yeah. and um i think about that like currently with my dad and his father ailing right now like um there's stuff that will be like hanging out he's like well my dad did this i'm like but yeah but you do that like you also do that like you, <laughs> yeah. you do that to me all the time and i and I, like part of me worries like am i gonna do that if i have a kid am i gonna do that <laughs> but also <laughs> like but that's just that's that's like that legacy even if you don't think about your legacy or the legacy that you have with others and whatever whatever you whoever you are is gonna have an imprint on someone somewhere down the line and the the idea that you live on in that imprint is so special and this movie i think captures that in a lot of ways yeah um that that if you think about it too hard you start at least for me i'll start like i'll start having like an anxiety attack but but in the the brief moment i get to think about it it's very nice (laughs) yeah well i think that's sort of the thing is that um it's kind of about how like the things that are actually eternal are things that are not like his, you know, are not things that are necessarily going to last in history. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that's like part of the, I mean, the reason uh, Lewins is there is it's like, he's like, I'm a general, right? Like I, I'm somebody who is going to be written about in some way. Mm-hmm. Right. But the most meaningful thing to him and the thing that made the biggest difference in his life was the dinner that no one will ever write about or remember a hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so you know, just the, the like there, there's sort of a terror in that. It's like, oh, I won't be remembered. But I think there's just this extreme sort of comfort. That's like, yeah, but the things that really matter, that are really important, you know, are are ephemeral, right? Will not last for anyone but you. And may, you know, and sort of the promise that, you know, there's another life maybe where where Bobette will feed, you know, will make her meals for God, right? Mm-hmm. Where Philippa will sing for, you know, sing for the angels, right? And that there will be this eternity to that. But the promise of that is in the smallness. It's not in the greatness, right? Yeah. Right. You know, um, 
And I think that's also an interesting contrast with just like, cause there is, you know, there is a background of violence in this movie that I don't quite know how to unpack, you know, with obviously the general as part of this, but with Babette's past as well, right. Mm-hmm, that she right. is fleeing something really, really horrific. Right. And the whole movie in some ways is her reaction to healing from that. Right. Um, and trying to work through it, you know? So um, there's a way in which, yeah, that, that ephemerality is like present in, in both the things that are like, beautiful and transcendent but also things that are really horrific you know that are sort of like very much backgrounded right like not central to what the movie is talking about or doing but you know there is a shot of a drawing of a firing squad right like that is part of this you know well and that's and and that's another thing that really rang for me about just the meal as a whole because like it it felt like you know it, it felt like when if you've ever broken a bone or 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 had a really had had to require stitches for a wound or whatever it just felt like you could walk on that leg again or you could yeah you could you could use that arm again or or you or that wound had closed so you were ready to try the activity that got you there in the first place again and be better and while and this is something that this is something that struck me, like in in films where I've seen uh, an elaborate dinner like this. You don't see the person who organized it cooking. You see yeah. the person organizing it delicate. Now, granted, I also realize that there are several sta- there are several scores of layers of wealth between most movies and this village in Jutland. Right. Um, yeah. Um, but also like you see, you, you see Babette working and you see, it reminded me of a lot of, it reminded me of like several other films where you see someone doing their work because that's kind of what they were born to do. I, I actually thought about the movie Blow Up, uh, and Blow Out as well, because Blow Out's a remake of Blow Up, but where you see, um, I think his name is David Hennings. He, he's the actor that the main actor in that movie where you see him working with a photograph trying to figure out if what he actually captured is a murder. And he's using every technique in his development arsenal. And it's almost like a person who has in that particular film has seemed super jaded and and almost corrupted by uh, excess just very interested in the craft and involved in the craft and absorbed in the craft in a way that is very reminiscent of Babette and which also kind of for some reason rings very true of faith to me. Mm -hmm. Did I say that in a way that makes sense? I think yeah, so. I'm, I kind of lost myself a little bit. I apologize. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I, I yeah, I have not seen Blow Up. Although I think I think there are people who will be like, "That's a weird comparison." But, oh, I mean, uh, well, okay, so uh, Blow Out is an early Brian De Palma movie where uh, John Travolta oh, yeah. plays a sound engineer and he's out capturing sounds one day. And oh, he, that's right. Okay, and he hears he thinks he just hears a car pop a tire. But then as he's editing the sounds together to capture for whatever thing he's capturing it for, he's like, wait a minute, I think I just heard gunshot. 
and then I think I heard someone, and it's the same plot. It's like I think I heard someone get murdered, and you see him doing the, doing the 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 sound editing thing in a way that is just like I I'm I'm absorbed in my work now. I yeah. also get a little bit of that in the conversation where Gene Hackman is listening to that that couple talk. Right, he's working like heck to try and figure out what they mean, and. Uh, and you kind of think, I mean, or at least the way it, the way it worked in my weird mind is like that kind of passion has to be something that, you know, that's the passion that Michelangelo probably painted the Sistine Chapel with. That is the passion right. that that Andre Rublev, you know, worked in in that long as hell uh, Tarkovsky movie. Um, but, but that is that is that is like the the sort of passion that we tend to ascribe to like saints of all of all sorts it seems like yeah to me. yeah do you, do you know you guys both uh know that full feeling you have after like a really nice meal or like a good a good burrito or something like that like that that feeling where you're very contented and you don't want to do anything um is that what that is that's what I think, but um, <laughs> the one person that doesn't, like, as far as I remember, doesn't eat once during the feast is Babette, right? Because she she's preparing it all. She's doing everything. Even the people helping her get to eat a little bit while she's just, like, kind of working. I think there might be one small scene where she's eating a little bit, but, mm-hmm. like, at the end, after everybody's kind of done and everybody's about to leave, she's, like, soaking her whole body. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, but she the, when she when she, like, says goodbye to some people, like, she looks so happy mm-hmm. and it, it's that same kind of look that i think of when someone's done with a good feast that like the like being content with what happened being happy being full being just filled with just some kind of feeling of joy in some ways and for someone who didn't get to actually like have the feast with everybody she has that because she got to make it yeah. yeah, and she got to give people that, so that gave her the same feeling. And I, I, I thought that small thing, where like how she looks at, even though she, you can hundred percent tell the way they presented it, she's exhausted. She looks happy. Yeah, and that, that's when something like you see other like movies where like someone does something like that and they look depressed as hell, <laughs> tired of body but full of heart. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that's part of the thing that makes it such a like that there's a huge emphasis on. I'm, well, I'm being like weird, the academic, but like the material, right? Yeah. That like she has to get the money, and then she has to have all this stuff shipped in, yeah. right? And then you see her like prep every you know um, course of the meal, right? Like it spends a lot of time with, yeah, with the body, right? With mm-hmm. her sort of constructing this thing, right? And I think that's such an important element of it that like it's a miracle the feast is this divine miracle yeah right but it comes out of something that is you know really artful and small and mundane even in human right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh so kind of i, I kind of want to like push in and now like kind of like final thoughts or final like something that we didn't haven't like discussed yet that you're like oh this one small thing though this one thing i want to talk about still does anybody have one last round of like something from the movie they wanted to bring up i have uh i guess one thing yeah um this movie's actually pretty funny yeah it's actually really funny yes um i laughed a surprising amount yeah well just the i mean there's obviously the scene i really remember being very funny is when um you know 
one of the sisters is having the dream about the feast damning mm-hmm. them all or whatever right mm-hmm. and um but there's just a bunch of like little jokes i think the scene where i think actually the the opera singer generally is just very funny mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> you know and it's like yes. a very um you know that he he is such a weird presence in that town and like i love when the you know when the father brings in the note that you know uh, Philip is not going to be practicing with him anymore, and he's like waiting outside the door to hear he's, him. Like, he, the father's stop so singing. smug. <laughs> he's when, he's so le- when I feel like he, he doesn't even like give the letter himself. He's like, give this to the dude, and like he leaves so happy with himself. <laughs> yeah, it's well, even that 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 you know she his daughter is like, I don't want to take the lessons anymore, and then he gives the letter to the guy. You know, just like the way it's like punted off. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> the so, father's like, I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> yeah. Why well, also love when he's like, Are you a papist? Yeah. Oh, like that's so funny too. Yeah. Anyway, just there, like there's that's a, there's also there's like just, the yeah. beginning with the the flashback with the, like and the boys love the daughters, but and like you see these two guys and they're like trying their hardest not to be noticeable but they're super obvious that they both want to date the daughters yes um yeah. and then they get and then when they, when they when the one guy like decides to take his chance and go ask for like the daughter's hand of marriage or something the father goes now you wouldn't want to take her away from me after god told me i need them right and he goes i guess not and like leaves <laughs> like, yes that, that's right like i don't think it's I don't know if that's supposed to be funny, but coming from a pastor's kid who like has sisters, like my like my dad's a pastor, and like any boy that came up to try to date my sisters for a while I was like, you don't really want to mess with me. I'm a man of God. It's like that <laughs> <Right>. happened. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I also really love when Babbitt leaves to just go visit for a week uh before the feast. Yeah. And, and so the the sisters have to serve food to the people around them again. And there's the one guy who was so also, great scenes of people eating soup. I love the scenes oh, yeah. of people eating soup in this movie. Yeah. It just it feels so real. The uh, scene when, you're about to talk about is the one that I wanted to bring yeah, up. Yeah, when love he this gets the swap so again, and he's like, "Ah, oh, man, that, what happened? Like, I was eating <laughs> so good. It's like, yeah, they're, a great artist used to be making this bread and ale soup. <laughs> you spoiled <laughs> me, Babette. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Matt, do you have anything else from the movie you want to talk about before we uh, head into the wrap-up? I feel like if I did, I would just be rambling because um, we're a rambling show here. That's, okay, fine. You, 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 that's your that's my license. Um, <laughs> when you and Grace were speaking about how there are, are like those ephemeral ephemeral moments, watching uh, ancillary individuals in the town while you don't get very much if anything in terms of dialogue from them or you you don't you'd almost you, you almost don't even get a sense of their role in the community uh i i the end of this watch i realized that if they spent any more time with this community as a whole or, or even individuals ancillary to the main the main players it would end up becoming uh, an overwrought Simpsons cast almost. <laughs> yeah, and it and but but the, what what they give you it's very much like the early parts of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where you just see the peasants just hitting stuff, or or digging 
ground or you know the 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 two people in the anarcho syndicist commune speech where they're just basically looking for good dirt uh and you don't really understand you i mean thinking about like the role of that like i me personally i don't understand why but because i don't understand it it kind of makes me laugh and i still feel bad about that to this day but despite not getting much it feels it feels very present and and almost immersive yeah Mm -hmm. And it, like, I kind of feel like, I mean, I've not been to uh, Scandinavia, but in the few trips I had to Eastern Europe, like, I feel like I walked around remnants of a, of a village like that at times. And while I'm not going, I'm not going to say that <clears throat> uh, Central Western Romania is in any way similar to Jutland, I, I felt like I felt almost like it was a place that I knew, even though I had never been. And I, I yeah. love, and I think a lot of that comes from the cinematography and the actual just tightness of the screenplay. And uh, I love that all like like uh, you and Grace mentioned the ephemeral things that I will remember probably more than full sections of dialogue. I will remember, th- I will remember them for a very long, for a way longer time than most of the dialogue in this movie. Not to say the dialogue is bad, but that's just how my, ma- that's just how my brain works. Yeah. Um, and it, this, this movie, y'all, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> and, yeah. And, well, I uh, think, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. And, uh, and, and, and if, if, if we're going to call this grace core, I think I need more of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think, I think that's one of the things is that it has, um, you know, it's a community, right. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie in a sense, like, even though you do have like these central characters, you have Babette and you have, you know, Philippa and Martine and, and Lawrence and, every, you know, all those people, right. It is a movie about this village in a real way. Right. And so I think that gives it a sense of, um, of reality, you know, that um, it might not otherwise have. Um, and I think it also helps that like, even though we, we sort of gestured at like how, you know, the, the feast is sort of a last supper, right. There's the 12 people that are there. Right. And, you know, stuff like that. Right. I think the, the sort of allegorical stuff in this is actually really light. Right. Yes. And, and that it just gives it enough touch for it to feel like the you know like oh maybe god is hanging out here <laughs> like maybe the divine is around you know but mostly it's just a movie about people dealing with being poor and dealing with being poor and having to like deal with interpersonal squabbles you know that in part come as a result of that in part not right mm-hmm. um you know and so yeah i i just feel like i i feel the same way and i guess i i think about my time in germany because i was there as you know a missionary so I was at there as someone who was like, you know, and also ate dinner with tons of different people, right? And so I have, there's sort of a strong connection there with this, right? Um, but I also feel like that, like this brings to mind experiences and people that I knew, right? Um, mm-hmm. In a way that like, you know, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's great. It's a great film, I think. So, so in short, 
and we could put this on the back of the box. Uh, watch Babette's Feast. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think they're gonna re-release it with our quotes on the back of the. the yep. movie yes. Box. Yeah. It's just gonna be all. It's gonna be the the entire transcript of this podcast. I mean, it's, I keep it's calling. A, it's a very dense back. Of the <laughs> That's box. the Criterion essay. The new Criterion essay is the. It's just the MP3 transcript. like burned to another disc. Speaking <laughs> oh. um, of Criterion, they announced 4Ks today, and I'm. I'm, I'm oh, happy did they really? My, okay. my wallet it cries. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they, they announced. Uh, what were the ones? Mohan Drive was one, I believe. Citizen yeah. Kane. Citizen Kane, The Red Shoes. Yeah, The Red um, Shoes. Which yeah, I just bought, though. Shoes. I just bought that. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. It's so nice. You can buy it twice. Trust um, me. There's like two others, I believe, that they uh, announced with it. But yeah, it's exciting. Uh, anyways, yeah. uh, my last thought was uh, very, very few movies do this perfectly, like I think this one does, where there is a camera feel to the three sections of the movie, which are uh, the past, before Babette, and after Babette, where the, the the lighting is slightly different, the the color tones are slightly different, and the characters around, like the way they move are just slightly different, where you can feel the emotions with no one saying one word. Yeah. Um, and like you get the kind of warm feeling from the past, but there's a little bit of unease. Um, mm-hmm. And before Babette, you get the very somberness, but even though it looks almost exactly the same when Babbitt's there and she's helping out, there is a joy that you just feel from the way that the camera works. Yeah. And again, there's very few movies I think that do this so subtly like this does. Like you could think about little woman where they had the color swaps, but like, that's very obvious. Um, unless you're my father. Um, <laughs> like, like, so like the do it so subtly though, that you're like, man, this just feels different because of the slight changes. Yeah. That- well, I think something, yeah. that showcases that that we forgot to mention is that um Lowen's is the only person who talks about the food in the meal like all mm-hmm. the villagers have like been like we will not discuss yeah the food because it's devil stuff or whatever the right? temptress is not taking us yes yeah but the you know so he's the only one who like gets to be like oh this meal is incredible or like yeah. kind of describes what is happening in it right all the other characters express their joy in it in other ways, right? In ways that are less verbal usually. So, you know, it just like, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's you know, it's a really quiet movie and it's not very flashy or like obvious in the way it deploys like cinema, quote yeah. unquote, right? But it still does all that stuff, you know, it's great. Um, so now kind of moving on to, I don't know, we should really like come up with names for segments, but it really, me and Matt, after we talk about the movie, we talk about kind of what we've been watching since the last time me and him talked. um so grace i'll let you go first so in the last two weeks what are some films tv shows something something that you've really enjoyed that you want to briefly talk about uh well um so i guess i watched all the star trek movies over the past like two months Um, or the original cast star trek movies okay i was gonna say one through six all of them not all you didn't didn't get to young tom hardy playing opposite jean-luc no i did not well because i i got it i still haven't seen i've seen some episodes of next generation but never the show right really and so i want to watch that before i get into those um what a bold move to say let's cancel our show to make movies that don't succeed um (laughs) well you know the thing is yeah so like i don't know it's kind of kind of a mixed bag um, I think post Wrath of Khan is kind of well, it's not really diminishing returns, but you know, um, 
I think but, they go up and down more post Rathacon. I feel yeah. like the first, I think, I, I think the first movie is underrated in a lot of ways. Just very, yeah. it's very slow in a lot. Of, I, I agree. Well, it's not. I mean, it's it's tough to it's tough to gun for two thousand one. Yeah, like you're no. putting yourself in a bad position. And and it yeah. feels much more like the TV show than Rathacon does. Yeah, but the thing is, I think. Um, I think one thing, I mean, I think they work nice together, but also, yeah, I just think that first movie is great. I think the, the model work in Star Trek, the motion picture is astoundingly good. There's some shots in that movie that are just incredible. And, you know, that's largely done through these like gorgeous practical effects. Um, You know, and I I think some of it like Wrath of Khan, I think has aged a little bit better in some ways. Um, and there's a way in which Star Trek the Motion Picture is just like, okay, let's do an episode of the TV show, but mm-hmm. it's two hours long, <laughs> right? And, you know, all that. Um, but yeah, I think it's really good. I The only one I think I straight up did not like is Search for Spock. Really? Um, Search yeah. for Spock is weird. It's a weird, well, it for one thing, one. It's, it's, it's my friend and I were talking about it and we described it as Rise of Skywalker, but really polite. Yeah. <laughs> oh man <laughs> you know that oh, it's man. like i mean well okay you know what it, it does kill a character though i will say it does actually kill someone off which rise of skywalker yes. like staunchly it, refuses it, yeah. to do <laughs> um, despite that character needing it <laughs> yeah um you know and also yeah there's some weird like i don't there's yeah, there's some weird like rapey stuff in that movie too. I don't. Uh, it's anyway. been a long time since oh, Caesar's Spock. So. Yeah, well, it's also because I was I was kind of like my my friends talked about it being kind of rapey, and I was like, I don't know, it's not that bad. And then like, there's some behind the scenes stuff that was cut from the fourth movie, and I was like, oh, okay, you know what? Mm. <laughs> like they were right about it. Never mind. Did, did you go um, all the way wait, to wait, like the crossover movie too? Wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. The the so search for search for Spock. Yes. So search it's for just, Spock. Okay. All right. I'll just explain this. Okay. So please. yes. So Spock <laughs> is you know coming back to life, but he's going through like accelerated puberty, mm-hmm. which means he's experiencing Vulcan Ponfar, which is like the Vulcan horny period. Oh, very intense horny period. Yes. yes. And so there's a scene where, um, is it, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, let me find it really quick. It's, okay, it is Sarek. No, it's not Sarek. Sarek's, but it's so close. It's so similar. Ah, where is this? Oh, Savik. There we go. Savik. Okay. Yeah, I was like, it's, it's, like two, it's like two letters different. Mm -hmm. um but yeah savik and she basically like um calms him down and like touches him and it's kind of a sensual moment right and so there's sort of this i i was kind of like i is this supposed to be that they slept together right is that what this is supposed to imply but it's sort of like very vague um and in the script for a voyage the voyage from the next movie um savik is pregnant with Spock's child. And that's why she stays behind on Vulcan. Gotcha. Rather than going home to Earth. And, you know, he is like explicitly like 17, right? Like he's a kid, you know, in that scene. And so it is weird, (laughs) right? And so I think like there's a, the thing is it's ambiguous enough that watching it, I was not like, this does not make me super uncomfortable, right? But then knowing that about the next movie, right? was like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. 
Um, so yeah, I, you know, I don't, yeah, it's just weird film. And I think like, the thing is that I don't really mind like Spock coming back. Cause I just, I like Spock a lot is the thing. Yeah. I think he's great. And I also like the thing, I think that's my favorite thing about that movie is Kirk just really misses him. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. And like that stuff, really, like any of the sort of like gay subtext of that core trio being brought out, I'm always here for. Sure. Um, you know, so I guess the homosocial, you know? Yeah. Not very gay. Yeah. It's pretty gay. It's pretty gay. Um, any, anything else or just Star Trek all the way? Um, well, I mean, that's, that's the big thing. I also watch Rashomon for the first time. Rashomon's so good. Hell it's good. Yeah. It's really so good. good. Yeah. We're going to, one day, one day we will talk about Rashomon. <laughs> I want, I want, I want it Dude. to be like a five hour podcast or something. I mean, I got time. I can get an energy drink. We could do that. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the time. Um, sure. No, Rashomon's, uh, Rashomon's so good. It really is. Um, yeah. So, so with Star Trek, yeah, I just want to ask, just because of I'm, for my for my own stupid reasons, I I haven't revisited four in a very long time. And yeah, I, I am afraid to, but the kid in me really likes four. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts on four. Um, I have a movie holds up pretty well. Okay. Um, like it's, I, so I actually made a ranking on Letterboxd. Um, so it's number five. I also put Galaxy Quest on here because um, that's a Star Trek movie. Um, it is a Star Trek movie. Yeah. So um, and I gave it like three stars. The thing is, I just think it's really fun. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate, like this is something that's, I think that could grade people really weird. Um, but the how earnest the environmentalism is in it, that like, it's like, we need to save the whales so they can talk to the aliens is like <laughs> just so straightforward. Like there's no wink. To that right like even though it's a it's a movie that's primarily a comedy right like it has a lot of jokes that is not a joke it is just straight up that mm-hmm. and i think that actually makes it like really endearing you know yeah. and i think a lot of the stuff a lot of comedic stuff in the movie still really lands like i really like Chekhov asking about where the nuclear vessels are oh god yeah <laughs> I, you know i i like the stuff with spock swearing and like i think it's just yeah like i think it it really works. It's really charming. I think it's a movie that you could totally revisit or when, and have a good or time with. Doctor McCoy's in, in the hospital. Wait, <laughs> yes, <dialysis. laughs> Which one's the one that Shatner wrote? Um, that's Final Frontier. I don't know if he wrote it. He did direct it. Uh, I knew I knew he had influence on one of those movies. Yeah. Um, Final Frontier actually, that's the one people really really hate. That movie's yeah. all right. Did you did you stop at um? The, the crossover movie and you're gonna no we stopped before so we watched the undiscovered country was the last one that we watched gotcha um, you're gonna save that crossover for when you, if we yeah get there mm-hmm. that crossover okay. movie has has one of the to me like not growing up because i saw these movies way when back when i was a kid because my parents are trekkies um but like when i like revisit it and i don't remember anything i'm like oh like knowing who the actor is as the bad guy in in the crossover is like oh wow they got <laughs> They got him to be a bad guy in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, um, well, that's the thing is actually even throughout, there's like a bunch of kind of um, famous people in these movies, mm-hmm. you know? Like in in, uh, in Undiscovered Country, you got um, the bad guy in that is uh, Christopher Plummer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's wow. fair. Yeah, well, he's really good in it too. He's really, he's like, he's like a Shakespeare spouting Klingon. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fun it's good it's yeah that movie also weirdly has some like sexual assaulty stuff in it um 
it's way more subtext. Um, and so that's, I guess, heads up for that. But it's also, it's the same director as Wrath of Khan. And it really shows because the mise set is so good. It's such a oh, beautifully man. shot movie, even though it's probably the lowest budget of any of these, mm-hmm. you know? So like, for I was just like losing my, like there's a dinner scene in that. And I was like, shit, like he's just doing the work. Once, once, I, <laughs> you know? once I finish my first watch through the original series, I think I'm going to do the same thing, go through the movies again. Yeah, I think they're, I think, I, I this is the thing is I actually like ended up mostly really vibing with them I, I think it's it's tough to beat wrath of khan like that's just i think all, like just all-time great movie period yeah you yeah. know um it's so, the one that stands outside of all yeah. the star trek stuff yeah and i also think i also think the motion picture is actually not too far behind that like mm-hmm. i i really liked that movie a lot um you know and yeah i think i think they're all yeah the thing is about undiscovered country as well is it's also just the most liberal brained movie of all time mm-hmm <laughs> You know, it's like extremely about how we just need to get along yeah, with right. the the people that we are trying to like imperially control. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but the thing is, it still kind of works because it like grounds that it's sort of material, right? And gives a lot of human weight and drama to it. And, but it is also about Kirk learning how not to be space racist, you know? So you kind of right. take it, right? It's kind of a mess, but like in a, in a, in an interesting way for the most part. See, now as someone who's not seen, uh, I don't think I've seen Final Frontier or Undiscovered Country. Yeah. But now all I hear is Dr. McCoy going, just because you see a green lady doesn't mean you have to kiss her, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think about the, the Kelvin universe and just how brilliantly cast everybody is in that movie. Yeah. I, I want another one. Um, Matt, what have you watched in the last two weeks? Uh, it's been some ups. It's been some downs. Um, so uh, I, I'm not really going to do a, a shameless plug here, but for uh, Trivial Merit, we're doing Dolly Parton. And I decided, and uh, Caroline and I, at, at the end of our Robin episode, mentioned watching Nine to Five as a oh, joke. Oh, Nine to Five. Nine to Five is a great movie. And, 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 and nine to five fucking holds up let me tell you (laughs) um you know and it's it's and as someone who's watched a lot of grace and frankie um Mm -hmm. lily Lily tomlin and jane fonda just need to be together yeah a lot (laughs) like they have they are so good on screen together it's um and you know regardless i i Preparing for for the Dolly Parton episode has given me a, a, a greater respect for Dolly Parton than I thought I that I thought I could have. Um, and watching that movie again in just so I mean I haven't seen it since the eighties, so I it it was very much like here's my perception of Dolly Parton and then watching Dolly Parton act in a movie. Yo, she's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like that. I mean, yeah, that core trio is just great. They have really good chemistry. I mean, um, and even Dabney Coleman plays a very lovable shitbag. <laughs> like, he really does. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, he's every he's 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 toxic masculinity incarnate, but but like it's he's a, he's really good at acting that, and it's just like, wow, why do I like you so much in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, this is the second time nine to five is brought up today for me because I was on TikTok and there was a video of a cat eating like crazy and the view, the, the music was nine to five. And it yes. Yeah. Brings joy. Um, you're welcome. Um, also it's just, uh, yeah. So, so nine to five, that was an up, uh, Reba and I went to the mountains this past weekend and we watched, uh, before sunset and that was an up, um, and uh, I hope one day we get to we get to finish that trilogy here. Oh, we are. We're gonna do it. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Because I have some thoughts about before sunset, and man, I'm not gonna share them now. But uh, <laughs> but that movie's that movie that movie is wonderful. Uh, and then I watched the Woodstock '99 documentary on HBO. I heard that's a pretty big downer. Oh man. Uh, you, you know, I, I know, I remember when I was a teenager having talks with my parents about when they were teenagers and they were talking, they would, they did the, they did the whole boomer thing where they romanticized Woodstock, even though they had, they would have never gone. Uh, and my dad even kind of romanticized it a little bit, despite being politically opposed to it in just about every way of that man's being. Um but they also talked about the bad clothes, the, the what they considered at that point to be bad music, and despite some of that music actually being music I really like. Uh, but Woodstock '99 had none of that, and I know it's like a. I don't remember when the documentary was made. If it was made like I know it was made in the last two years. That was super recent. Just um, I feel like I mean I, I I saw what prompted me to watch it is I saw a pitchfork piece on it and I'm like oh there's a Woodstock '99 documentary I'll watch that uh, now I have to read that pitchfork piece because I didn't read it for sake of you know avoiding spoilers but yo the music we held up was bad <laughs> and and, and you know, now. I, it, it would be it would be very easy for me to say like in 1998 99 when all that stuff was super popular that I was above it and better and had better taste you know I wasn't in the zeitgeist per se but I wasn't far outside of it and uh I will say that I'm glad I, I I'm glad I've learned and and <laughs> on and i'm glad i didn't participate in half of the bullshit that friends of mine who were like super into that stuff got up to because man i i just look at that and looking at it, like i didn't go to woodstock 99 it wasn't even it was something i thought about but never actually even tried to do um but watching the events of that unfold it reminded me of so many things that happened in just in that time for me back home and i'm like man i feel like i hung out with some shit bags <laughs> and uh that's rough yeah i i gotta i i have to find some people and apologize just for my association and i hope they're okay because Oh boy. And, uh, and I also, I also can see, a, I can see a point of view and I don't agree with this point of view at all 
where someone watches that and go like, oh, they're just looking at it through a post Black Lives Matter, a post toxic masculinity, a post, you know, and I'm like, all that's, I mean, I've said it on this show, all that stuff existed back then. And yeah, and, and nobody freaking saw it. And I'm not saying that like, I'm some sort of prophet or anything, just I just, I'm, I'm examining it through hindsight as well. And I, I've had to learn my lessons and I'm, I'm trying, I really am. Um, but it's very weird how all of that stuff is pointed out and, and held a magnifying glass to, and you see all of that just sort of move forward into where we're at now. And the needle has not seemed to move very far. The one difference is it's, it's up until probably 2016 when uh, an election happened, it was kind of just buried far enough away from mainstream eyes where the where mainstream thought and discourse could be like oh that doesn't they could they could they could play the ostrich syndrome thing without putting their head in the dirt because if they put their head in the dirt they would have saw it yeah at least that's that's the way the math works in my head um i totally get what you're saying uh and and I, I was I told I told Reba that I watched it because uh, she had, was it was one of the nights where she could actually pick me up from work today and I'm like yeah I watched that and she's like oh I wanted to watch it with that. I'm like no you don't <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, and, no, I feel, yeah. And, and and I don't th- and, and I don't think that, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily make it a bad documentary because I feel like a good documentary should probably stir these feelings up and yeah way, for sure for someone who like lived through that time but like I mean. Yeah, like sometimes you don't you don't want to be just like a bummer with someone, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. And sometimes, sometimes that's fine. Like it's fine. It's not a bad thing to be, to be clear. But sometimes you're like, sure. actually, I don't I don't need to be this with this person right now. Right. I'm, just, I'm just like, I'm just like, hon, I don't think you need to watch this because the music you and I talk about and enjoy from that time now is not there. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, the only yeah. artist that's in it that we still really have are okay with is Moby and we only like play and plays nowhere near that documentary so <laughs> like yeah I mean they mentioned they mentioned Guster in the documentary by text only and I haven't listened to a thing they've done since like 2003 and in fact that 2003 album was the only one I've ever really listened to of theirs so like yeah you don't need this there's there's not much of what you want from the 90s in Woodstock 99. I people forget too, like the original Woodstock was a mess, but uh, we don't need oh, that. Yeah, oh, that. oh, yeah. Rose tinted glasses around that because. Well, also, like one of the. Anyway, sorry. I just. No, you know, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Well, I was just going to say that, like, a lot, some of the. I don't, I don't want to, like, attribute this all to Joni Mitchell, but, like, some of the mythology around Woodstock is from her song Woodstock, which is a yeah. killer song. Great track. Oh, hell yeah. But, like, she was not there. Yeah. No. You know, and, no. and and the song is actually, I think, effective in part because it is about missing that and also being like, does this actually mean anything? Yeah. Like, you know, right. It, there's a lot going on there, right? I don't mean to knock it, but it's just like, 
Well, I mean, as as someone who watched the, as someone who became aware of what Woodstock actually was in 94 when they did it, and I watched the Wadley documentary about Woodstock, and I'm like, yo, this looks, this seems cool. Why did, why don't, why don't, why don't they teach this in school? Because they would only, and honestly, that's an apt question, because they would only teach the good half of it anyway. Yeah. And they would only... Yeah, they only teach the idyllic parts, or the or and then it's it's almost like when people from that time were speaking to me as a, a teenager, when they talked about it. Oh, it was it was the same platitude. Oh, we stood for something. We were we had a cause. We had a fight. But when you ask them what that was, you get crickets. Yeah or unintelligible sentences. <laughs> or if you're lucky, like I was with one of my uncles, you get a weird acid flashback. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, pick your poison. But I will say like the Woodstock 99 documentary is, while it's not a bad documentary, man, it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, I would almost say watch the Wadley film, but definitely take it with a grain of salt. But I will say, watch the Watt Stacks documentary. The Watt Stacks documentary is really good. And I need to watch that again just to sort of cleanse myself of Woodstock thinking about it. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what I've been watching. Jesse? Well, I, I'll, I'll be quick because I tend to watch a lot of stuff within the two weeks. Uh, I uh, so I'm on I'm on a small journey to watch uh, queer films that like are explicitly queer, because I have very little in my in, like I have Moonlight. That's it. That's basically it. Like that's all I got. Um, and so I watched, but I'm only a cheerleader because it was shorter and it was free. So I was like, okay, I, I have some time. I want to watch this. And that movie is very interesting. Not because it's. Um, not because like it's bad or anything, in my opinion. I think it's actually pretty good. Um, I think it was made and no one understood what was happening. <laughs> except, oh, yeah, for the people, except for the people making the movie, it seems like. Um, because I, th- I think the movie was spot on with everything it was going for. And everybody was like, this movie is cheesy as anything else that was on like TV or something. And I'm like, that's the point it's it's mm-hmm. like it's it's supposed to be painted that when that brush of like fluff because that's kind of how especially like in the 90s it felt like that uh, this is come out or this are like mid 2000s or like yeah it's like it's like mid or 99 so yeah so in the 90s 99 like i feel like that's kind of like where the queer paintbrush was in media is like their fluff they're like they're, they're a little flavor added to our media at the time um it's like the real world was like a big deal because they had like um queer uh gay uh, people in the real world and it was like it was first time like a lot of people had seen um the gay lifestyle on their tv in like an act in like a more accurate way than before kind of other than just being kind of like a monster or will and grace yeah and and so i feel like but i'm a cheerleader like it really was like yes this is the fluff but le- also Look how ugly the fluff is at the same time, and I'm like, I I felt like they did a really good job on both of, both of those fronts. Um, 
then then I watched Twelve Angry Men. Uh, very very gay. Also, um, <laughs> <laughs> something gay about men yelling at each other. You know? so, very sweaty. They're very sweaty. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I don't know. No, uh, no, but I think Twelve Angry Men is one of those movies that kind of like, if every once in a while you will watch an old movie, I'm like, oh. I understand now why people say this kind of stands the test of time type of thing. Yeah. 12 Angry Men is 100% one of those movies mm-hmm. where like, I feel like it, 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 it maybe it wasn't, it maybe it was, you take different messages from movies, I think, but it's probably more relevant today than it was when it was made. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and it's very much the idea of like, when you are in a jury in general, like you have someone's life in your hands and it's very focused on that. And it's something no one, at least a lot of people don't think about we just think about thermal prison like type of thing and yeah yeah i just think this movie is very poignant even more so today than it it was in uh 57 which is year my dad was born so that's kind of weird um uh and then i watched the suicide spot i watched james get the suicide spot i didn't go to the theaters i watched it at home I'm, on my bed laid down <laughs> so i'm gonna watch this movie that's the um, way to watch it it's i thought it was really good i enjoyed it a lot i understand why maybe some people don't like it but I also don't <laughs> like there's nothing there's nothing inherently <laughs> wrong with this movie so like it's very enjoyable um even if you don't like superhero movies it's just a good time kind of um I do notice one thing that I kind of am getting tired of and that is extra CGI gore because there's a very small moment where someone gets kind of like their head chopped off like the top of their head and it's a very CGI brain and you can tell it's a very CGI brain inside that skull and I'm like uh, like that's the only thing I, I still think about that for some reason because I've seen it so much in modern movies just really poorly done gore in CGI and there's other scenes in this movie where I'm like that's practical that's 100% practical and I really love what that looks like um, but yeah I, th- I think Suicide Squad is a very good combination of Guardians 1 of James Gunn and Slither James Gunn yeah um, okay and I don't know if, if, I don't know if either of you have seen Slither but it's very tongue-in-cheek in a lot of ways um and I think that he uses that for a superhero movie very well. Yeah. Or it was, it was someone he did with uh, the guy from The Office. Super? Yes. Yeah. It's, from what I know of Super, it's very much like that in a lot of ways. Yeah. It I is will, very uh, weird that Bloodsport is just uh, Deadshot again, though. And it's in a lot of ways. Uh, oh, done a little bit better. Yeah. But it's very weird because he has a, a strange daughter, too. Hmm. <laughs> Um, but I mean, like, like I, I hang on, hang on. I th- I, as the one who's probably the furthest outside of this conversation, uh, Bloodsport. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a character that was invented by John Byrne, who kind of sucks. Um, okay, I was just making sure you weren't talking about the Jean Claude Van. No, 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 no. His name is Bloodsport. He's one of the few people who've shot Superman. Um, oh, okay. All right, cool. Idris Elba, fantastic in this movie, and I think overall the character is different, but the plot. The inciting plot of the movie is very similar in that way. Um, also, delivers the promise of killing people. Like, God, the first Suicide Squad movie killed maybe like three people. <laughs> like, this one kills at least ten. <laughs> like, very like, in characters that you care about, which is very surprising. Um, so I watched that, and then afterwards, I'm like, you know what, Suicide Squad was good. I'm gonna watch The Dirty Dozen. <laughs> and um, I don't. I still need I, to watch that movie. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, I think it's on it's on HBO Max until the end of the month, so you have time if you want to watch. It. Okay, cool. Um, the thing that's really surprising about that movie is they don't get to the mission until like the last thirty minutes of that movie, and the movie's almost two and a half hours. So it, it's like two hours of just prepping these criminals to do a suicide mission. <laughs> um, 
it, but it's, it, it's really fun. It's really fun. It's um, uh, John Cassavetes is in it, I believe, mm-hmm. and he's very good in it. Um, uh, and then I watched the Val Kilmer documentary, uh, which yeah, I watched that too. Um, it is a very interesting documentary in the sense of what 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 do you what is a documentary? Like, what is it actually trying to do? Um, because more than anything, it's Val Kilmer trying to explain to you how he thinks more than anything and how he feels more than anything my my favorite thing about it is how they deal with his voice because of his throat cancer um i won't explain how they do it but i think it's it's very compelling and they reveal it very early on but um yeah there's just, there's a few moments in there i'm like oh like this hits really close to home <laughs> um and he's definitely like a me- the quote-unquote method actor in some ways in some ways you can see how like Oh yeah, Val Kilmer probably was a little frustrating at times, um, but they 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 do dive into like the the rumors after um, Island of Doctor Romero that he was hard to work with, and like there's so many people who are like yeah even if you you guys like there's there's one quote by one director's like yeah even if we fought on set you realize that Val Kilmer was eventually right even if he was a little bit complicated, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is really interesting. I forgot he made uh was it Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with uh, uh Robert Downey Jr. I forgot yeah. he was in that movie. Um, they also mentioned McGruber very briefly, but they mentioned McGruber. Um, and yeah, so yeah, th- those are the movies I watched in between. Nice. Did they mention Top Gun? Yeah, oh yeah, Top Gun's definitely mentioned. Okay. Top, right. Top Gun's very interesting because he talks about how he doesn't he didn't want to do it, but at the time that he was in it, he, there were still studio contracts. Oh. He was still in a contract with the studio to do a third movie. So he had to do Top Gun. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, and like he's like, yeah, I got... <laughs> And like uh, this, like it's this is only like a very small section of the movie, so I can like kind of dive into it. But there's a really cool thing where he's like, "Yeah, on set, uh, it was us versus Tom Cruise and uh, the the other guy. I don't remember his name. He's the guy in ER. Anthony he's Edwards. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like he's like it was us three versus Tom Cruise and, and uh, Edwards. Like we, we were we would never eat together. We were always picking fun with each other. Like they were like keeping the rivalry off set too, or off camera too, to keep it kind of like that flavor going." And he talked about how he kept, he made up a whole backstory for his character too because there was nothing on the page. Hmm. So it was, it was very interesting to, to see like how much he he really wanted to be an actor actor and, and how much how little he got to actually do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Batman stuff is super fascinating, and um, I, we'll, we'll probably get into this when I, when we eventually do a Batman episode. But I think Val Kilmer is the end Val, Batman Forever is the ending of a trilogy and Val mm-hmm. Kilmer finished that trilogy very well. Um and, and Batman and Robin is just kind of a tacked on thing at the end of that trilogy that um you either love it or you hate it or you're like me in the middle and I'm like it's empty but it's at least it, it's at least pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah. that's that's the sh- that's Schumacher, right? Yeah, both yes. those both those last two were Schumacher. Oh yeah, I mean Schumacher's a master of empty pretty, so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, Matt, what is the next thing that we're gonna watch in two weeks? Okay, so um, queso. So I pitched something to Jesse. Yep. As uh, a very uh, interesting exploration through film history. Um, if you've ever seen the movie uh, Hugo, done by Martin Scorsese, the one of the central characters in it. Uh, is played by why do I not I can't remember his name now played Gandhi 
Oh, Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I was about to say the guy from sexy beast, but uh, I didn't know if anybody would get that. Um, <laughs> but uh, he plays George Melies. I don't, I'm bad with French, uh, but I think I, I know in the movie, I think they say Melies. Yeah. I think though. it is something like that. Yeah. But, I've not, I've not seen Hugo, but I've read the book and I, you know, know this figure. Um, so if you've ever seen the smashing pumpkins music video, it's basically, it basically rips off his, short uh a trip to the moon uh so i said let's watch the movies of george milliers now most of these that are left on on criterion um our are they are less than 20 minutes some of them are as short as two minutes and eight seconds um so these are shorts from the late 1800s to I think the latest one I see here is 1909. Oh no, he has one in uh, 1952. Um, that is a half hour long. So if you want an epic, oof, that's gonna make me sweat a bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I so the reason I pitched this is a because I saw it and b um, when I was in X-ray school one of my uh one of the big projects we have to do is a radiology science fair and my partner don rico and i did the history of sort of radiation uses both good and bad so we called it rad ideas in radiation history because i'm a walking dad joke apparently um <laughs> but one thing i did was there's this movie made by a colleague of melier's called the x-ray man where it's basically this the, these two people on a park bench one male one female uh and they are basically the male is trying to court the female but then this dude in a dark outfit steps off steps in to frame from like the left side of the screen holding this giant box that looks representation it looks like the representation of a camera he pulls the lens cap off and the two people on the bench become skeletons. Interesting. So I used that because I thought culturally that makes sense as a way to as a way to tell people what X-rays do. Um, I also found ways to posit a theory that that film was probably the impetus for the invention of fluoroscopy. Uh, while I did a ton of research looking for that specific fact couldn't really find any but it was fun it was a fun thing to talk about for that for that brief moment and yes i did cite that i did not actually have any proof but i think it's a fun thing to think about um but these films are done they, they are like the first sci-fi fantasy films and I feel like that would be a fun thing to, to, to watch, even if, even if we were to only, because I think right now I'm looking at one, two, three, four, I'm looking at 19 films. Yeah, that's not too bad. Uh, 19 films, 20 minutes each, I, fine. Uh, but even if uh, I just said, we'll pitch these, and I, the way I would say it is we watch what we can and just talk about what we see. And yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm down. Um, yeah, they'll probably be off criterion by the time this episode comes out, but I'll have a list of them, and I bet you most of them are easy to find online, um, just because they're so old. Um, yeah, well, like, yeah, public domain and all of that. Yeah, so, but I'll definitely have a list of them. I'll go through the criterion and write down the whole list. 
Um, so yeah, so that, that'll be in two weeks. Um, Grace, thank you so much for being on the show with us talking about Babette's Feast and also like just rambling off about everything else that we got rambled off about. <laughs> for um, sure. Grace, Great to people? talk to you, Grace. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm happy to come on. I was excited to do it. I'm really excited that I got to watch that movie again. So you'll, yeah. you'll come on for the five hour Rashomon episode that we do. Um, yeah. I'll <laughs> about Rashomon. Yeah. Um, Grace, where can people find your stuff currently though? Like what, where are you putting your, your majority of stuff? Uh, um, how can people support you? <laughs> so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Grace underscore machine. I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Grace in the machine. Um, there I'm doing a series of essays on the Witcher books and probably also the TV show and games um, eventually. Um, you got an animated TV show now. Oh yeah, that's true about Vesemir. As a patron, it's worth it. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) I'm glad you say so. Um, Yeah. And and I'm also doing like, I mean, it depends on what tier you get, but I'm also doing an LP of Star Wars, The Old Republic, um, finding all all the ins and outs of Sith slave trade. Um, So. Yeah. The culture? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, when but, you're uh, visiting the Sith, you got to experience everything. Yeah, and then yeah. you can find me on Uppercut and on Paste, and I just did a piece for Waypoint about the Asari and Mass Effect, um, and I think it's pretty good. Uh, uh, it is. It's wonderful. Um, I, I, I'm only halfway through it, though, so... Okay, well... I hope the last half doesn't take a dive, but that's not I, I, I don't think it does. I think, <laughs> I mean, shouts to, shouts to Rob Zachney, who's been a real delight to work with the two times I have worked with him, um, who I think really whipped that essay into shape. Um, but uh, yeah, and that's basically it. I'm also weekend editing at GamePro. That's mostly guide stuff, though. Um, so I don't think that'll be something I'm like actively promoting, but it's a good group of people. And it's a cool site. So if you're looking for, you know how to figure out how to find the poisonous frogs and hitman or whatever you're up to i would love grace if you just sneak in like an opening paragraph to every walkthrough that's like a monologue about the game and like (laughs) its ramifications (laughs) and capitalism yeah no i mean i i i I would get annoyed if i was reading that honestly it's like i just want to find the frogs yeah it just reminds me back in the day like an old game facts where people like have their own personal essay about how much this game means to them before they tell you how to find everything (laughs) Yes. Okay. You know, like, oh. I don't want to see your ASCII art of like what you re- rep- thinks this game represents. Oh, yeah. Fair. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Let artists be artists, Jeff. <laughs> um, Matthew, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at infinite underscore rewind on Twitter. Um, I I'm host uh, two other podcasts. One is a, where three other friends and myself get together and talk about what we're playing. It's called Story Route Zero. And then I host a, or I co-host a music podcast about making eight song playlists to get you from a negative headspace to a positive one with a friend of the show, I guess at this point, uh, yes. Caroline. Um, you can find that at Trivial Merit on Twitter or, and yeah. Let us let us help you feel better by <laughs> listening to by creating playlists, but we're not mental health professionals because yeah, we just want to talk about music and feel good about it. And you can find me on Twitter at Sleeper of the Bed. You can find me 
find me on my other podcast called White Comics. It comes out infrequently currently, but we'll see what happens. Um, and that's also on Twitter at uh, White Comics Pod. Um, lastly, I discovered this. I meant to mention this earlier, but it's very interesting. It's very funny to me. There's a, a website. Someone made this website called Nestflix. And it's, it's nestflix.fun. It's all the fake movies and TV shows and movies and TV shows on like a, a, like a pretend streaming app. And you can look at them. <laughs> you can't watch them, but you can look at them and read the descriptions of them. Like they have Goodwill Hunting 2 on here. And uh, all That's the cute. all the movies that uh, Chris Evans' character plays in the Scott Pilgrim movie. It's just, oh, it's, right, right. Yes. It's, yeah. it's very, it's very funny uh, that someone just took the time to actually like write out profiles for all these movies and get the screenshots that they need for this um anyways i think that's fun oh my god they have simple jack on oh man yeah it's it's, it's everything man it's it's everything angels of the, with filthy souls from uh home alone yeah anyways so yeah i just thought that'd be fun to share because uh we're in a movie podcast um you can find this podcast on twitter at free reeling it pod or should I nope. free reeling it every time? Really. <laughs> so the email, the email is at freereelingitpod at gmail.com. Nope. Uh, every time. Every time. Grace, if you ever listen to the show, every time. Every time I mess this up. It's oh, consistency. At consistency. Um, I'm proud of you for being so consistent. Thank you. Uh, and if you want to reach us at either of those about just your thoughts on the movies that we've covered, again, it doesn't matter what where we're at in these podcasts. You just tell us about whatever you watch. If you are all the way back at the beginning and you watched, um, what did we do? That thing you do? That was the first one. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell us about it. I love that movie. And uh, I would like to hear more people talk about that movie because it's very interesting. Uh, or if you made it through our movie. first episode and you don't like our top tens, tell us. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell us why we're wrong about what's in our top tens. Um, and so, yeah, so that's where you can find us. Uh, Matt, who did our theme song? Um, my buddy Jason, he goes by Deadeye. That's D-E-A-D-I, all capitalized. Um, he's just, he's still new in the music game, doesn't have any of his stuff posted yet, but he's working on it because uh, he tells me every time he can. Uh, but you can find work he's done on Spotify at, uh, you can search for the group Hope Street Steppers. That was him and his buddy Ben. And I actually helped out on that album. It's one of the coolest reggae albums i've ever heard it's predominantly instrumental the album is called black lightning it's very fun and all of the song titles except for like the bonus stuff i think is movie references so (laughs) so it's kind of perfect um and so yeah thank you guys for listening and remember to what's today's slogan um watch gay movies like 12 angry men um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye, everybody. <clears throat>